Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly and voila. You get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I am your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we try and find you the most fascinating people to talk to throughout the world and inside and outside the world of HR. Today, we have with us Dino Zincarini. Hello, Dino. Hello, David. And Ian Cook from Vizier. How are you, Ian? Ah, doing well. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. For those of you who have not heard about Ian Cook and you're listening to a podcast about people analytics, listen to some of our other podcasts with Ian because he's fascinating. He's brilliant. And he is one of the reasons why I love people analytics because I learn so much every time I talk to him. If you have not heard about Ian, go listen to our former podcasts. If you have heard of Ian, one thing that you may not know about Ian, and we'd like to get a new nugget every time we talk to him, is early on in his career, he worked in Romania. Ian, what did you do in Romania? That's true. So, so I worked in overseas aid. There was a, a, a big phase where the Romanian government had been toppled and it was moving into a more democratic state. So sure. I was in the north of Romania working with a, an overseas aid organization. Eye-opening, eye-opening experience and yeah, something I still remember. Wow, that must have been really life-changing too. Yeah, it was. It, it definitely set me on a path around the work I do. And you continue doing good work and that's part of some of the stuff that I appreciate about you, even within the people analytics community, driving toward a more open people analytics world, right? Uh, that's, yeah, absolutely. The The key for me is pe- people will say, oh, you know, we've got to get the best out of people. And I just think that misperception, people only give you their best if they choose to do it. So like, you know, trying to use data to control people is only ever going to fail. It really has to be about how do we help enable people to give of their best. I think data is a key part of that, but that's a big part of you know what drives me to participate in the field. And again, many others like yourselves who share that same mission. It's, it's the right way to go about doing it. Absolutely. So today, our topic is going to be something that's obviously near and dear to all three of our hearts, which is the evolution of the people analytics practice from what had become a research group to what is now being really kind of migrating towards a strategic function. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I mean, it's interesting because there's there's been waves of this development. A lot of organizations were kind of getting started. Many organizations are still getting started, and yet some of the leaders are, you know, really transforming where they connect into the business, uh, who they connect into, what the actual remit of the function is, and then you know everything else from there. I think there's an, a lot to unpack in here, David. It's a it's a fascinating topic. Awesome. Let's get started. So the first question I have for you, Ian and Dino, is how has the practice of people analytics changed over the years? And where has it come from? Where is it going? So when people analytics first started and when I was first into it, 
a lot of it was about measuring HR activity. And, you know, you may remember some of this sure. yourself, Dave and Dino, is like, how many performance reviews have we done? Yep. How many people did we hire? It was very much a, a measurement of ex administrative volume in order to show that we were busy. Like, that's kind of where we started. And not often it was done as a, an after the fact. It's like, oh, we've done a bunch of stuff. Let's do some measurement and show the business that we've, we've earned our keep because we were working hard. Um, well, the next wave, which is probably the last 10 to 12 years, was really a, what I would call it the project or exploration phase. You know, what, what we, we're looking at all this reports of people leaving, like, well, well why are they leaving and what can we right. do with that? Is there a way we can use it? And so lots and lots of project work to understand that. The, the wave I think we're in now is more of this you know, product delivery. How do, we un how do we use the insight to improve a decision at scale broadly across the business? So we kind of, again, different organizations at different phases, but we're seeing this productization of, of intelligence from people data deploying out across the business as this, where the leading practitioners are going. What's fascinating is when I started in people analytics, it really came as a uh, offshoot of my compensation function. And yeah. I was asked to do headcount reporting. Yep. And that was critical to the business. We were heavily into mergers and acquisitions at the time at the bank that I was in. And one of the key metrics that the the board was looking at was how many people, how many bodies do we have? And the first yep. thing we actually had to do was come up with what the definition and do some data governance work and say, what is the definition of a person? Because it mattered because on a global basis, we were a global company, on a global basis, we didn't even have that definition. So we were really starting out at square one of saying, yes, we have different HR systems. Yes, we have different notions about what this stuff is. Let's all get on the same page so we understand what we're actually measuring. I think that's a really good place to start the conversation as well, because if we look at the, I often draw the parallels to finance. You know, finance has this governance methodology. This is how we record revenue. This is how we record cost, etc. What HR hasn't had and what that whole governance phase has done is give us that standardized approach. It's given us that core platform upon which we can then build and, and start to use it. So we were sort of following the same path to finance where it started as a you know, standardized recording project now, if you're looking about an FPNA or like you know an, an, an analyst function within finance, it really is about you know, driving future business value. So we needed to do all that governance work. But a lot of that's been standardized. It's now where do we go from there? Dino, you look like you're going to jump in. <laughs> yeah, I know you just you triggered a topic that I like to talk about. I've written about this one, and it's it's a tricky one because I I agree with you that you know we started to build that practice along the way finance did as essentially creating the language to measure right. the business that isn't just about money. It's also measuring the business in terms of our talent and our people and the impact that we have. I've always found that it's a challenge to get the business to incorporate that into their language. You know, it's most managers have a budget. They work from that budget. But being able to incorporate the language of people analytics into how we talk about the performance of our business is a bigger challenge. I'm wondering if you've experienced that, if you have any thought. Definitely experienced it. I mean, for, for me, it's one of the founding reasons I came into People Analytics is to, to, to form that that bridge to be that connector. Like, you know, people are having an effect on your revenue, whether you see it or not. It's, it's that's in my mind, that's automatically true. What you highlight, Dino, is, is exactly the complexity of this is like, so how is that? I think the our current resignation wave is really 
elevating people's interest in paying attention because right. to your point, David, when you don't have the bodies to open the doors to run the cash register to right. make the money, then it is like, oh, right, people are actually important to my business. <laughs> and that's a great example because I, I think one of the the things that I've always tripped up on is if we can't measure it in terms of money, nobody wants to pay attention to it. Right. And turnover cost is one of these dark arts in HR, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, like you can come up with a number, but is it really the right number? Is it accurate? I mean, most of the time we're making a wild guess Yes. Yeah. because we, some costs just don't show up on an invoice. Right. And so it's pretty hard if, you know, and yet, if you have turnover, if you don't have somebody to staff the cash register, as you mentioned, it's pretty obvious you have a problem, right? So yeah. if you're just looking at the cost analysis to figure out if you have a problem, you're going to miss some of these things that are really obvious to everybody else. And I yeah. think that's the, the opportunity for us, right, is we can create a language that talks about the business that's people-centric and not yeah. just about money, because there's a lot of cases where we see the impact. We know the impact. It's intuitive. It's obvious. And yet it doesn't come through in the numbers. Yeah, yeah, but the problem is that HR kind of caused that itself. We put metrics and dashboards out there and we put these wild ass guesses. Pardon me. I forget what the, the acronym was for it. But we put these guesses together about costs and the, the cost of turnover. And the business leaders would look at it and say, that's a made up number. Where did you come up with this stuff from? What are you guys thinking about? Do you guys have an MBA? Do you you guys have a college degree? And some of it's insulting, but some of it is true because we shot ourselves in the foot. We would point to a number and say, that's the number. And they'd say, I can poke a thousand holes in that number. Why do you do this? That's a soft number. And so we have to have the real business data behind it. Like Ian said, What's the revenue number that's caused by that person not being at the cash register? Yeah, and and that's that's one of the things we're starting to see see in terms of the, the evolution, you know, driven by the driven by the sophistication in the in the groups that we're working with, driven driven by the needs in the business climate, is people starting to put that yeah, production the the outcome data aligned to turnover, aligned to vacancy, aligned to right. escalating costs of talent to to kind of say. Actually, you know, people are having an impact, and we're also seeing people, more managers, having an awareness of the differentiation that people bring, and so you know, looking for ways, especially if we get into the equity right. component, I, I can no longer just rely on my friends. I need some more equitable, equitable way to understand who's good, who's brilliant, who's good enough, you know, and how I form that team up. So there's lots of pressures on really. You know, finding the best people and helping people be their best. Right. But it's driving that, that deeper need. So I think that brings us to the next question, Ian, which is what is causing the evolution inside of HR? And is it just something that is a fad that will just go away in a couple of years? Or is this a real permanent shift and HR has now grown up to the extent where it can actually be looked to for answers? So I, I'm firmly of the view it's a permanent shift. I mean, I, I kind of keep track of the labor market. We are, we're not in Kansas anymore. So, so the, the, the movements in the labor market are, right. are, are somewhat permanent and that will resettle to some new 
stable state, but it won't be the way it was. So it's going to be different going forward. Other things that we're seeing is that the, the SEC, we've talked about this before, but I've had reach out from three or four CHROs who've been tapped by their CEO because the board is now asking, well, are we on top of our people data? Right. Can we do this disclosure? So, and that's a permanent shift. That is a you know, regulatory right. framework. It's evolving. So, you know, it's that for me is saying this isn't this is not a fad. It's actually a necessary part of your structure. Other things we're seeing is groups moving from being the people on X team to being the HR strategy group. Right. I was talking with like literally five uh, senior experienced PA leaders uh, a couple of weeks ago, and all of them are direct reports to the CHRO. They are the strategy brain alongside the CHRO to build out how do we go about winning in the world of work. And the analytics is, is in that. Is there a use case, sorry, Ian, is there a use case to actually not having this in HR at all and having it separate or maybe as part of the finance organization to do bo- more work across the organization instead of being, no offense, HR, saddled with the word <laughs> HR? So I think that's, an, we've, I've often pivoted to the position of people as opposed to HR, because I think you're, you're right, there is a this baggage. Yeah. I, I rarely introduce myself as an HR person because I fear the baggage that is unfairly often uh, carried right. with that. At the same time, I've, I'm have i cautious on just handing it to the finance group because in, invariably their view of what the problem is, is it doesn't reflect the problem. So it's, it's sure. a, it, 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 there's a synthesis happening and in many ways across many parts of business where it's like it's the it's the mind frame that says let's go chase dollars with the social sure. frame of let's understand people you know we we again i don't have any evidence for this but where we see success it's where those two things live together in the business sure through the people function i i mean there are established shared services functions that do, I mean, HR tech sometimes is a shared services function, even outside of HR, outside yeah. of payroll, outside of the IT organization, where it sits in its own little bubble, and maybe it reports to the CIO, maybe, maybe it even reports to the head of HR, but it's still a separated function. In that same way, I've also seen some DE&I groups that have been yeah. separated out of HR in order yeah. to be able to remove themselves and not have the reporting structure issue like yeah. I can do investigations across the organization without worrying about, you know, somebody getting in the way. Interesting. Persp- so yes, I think that's a I think that's a, a smart a, approach to doing that. The alternative is you know hire the CHRO that actually makes all that work. Sure. You you wouldn't talk about marketing living outside of the CMO's remit. You wouldn't talk about operations reporting living outside sure. of the the COO's remit. So. You know, I think there's a there's that interesting dynamic around, well, what is actually truly needed for a CHRO? And really interesting, Richard Rosno, somebody I, I follow a lot, yes. a lot of yes. respect for. From Nike. He posted, yeah, he posted on LinkedIn a job requirement, which had six years of people analytics specified <laughs> for a CHRO role. Wow, that's crazy. First that's time crazy. ever. I'd never seen it before. So it was one of these like moments, but it's like, that is so it's it's indicative of the shift that you're talking about david like how do we move through the knowledge required to really leverage this capacity for the business one thing that scares me a little bit though ian is setting ourselves up for a little bit of failure there because the hr organization as we've been talking about gets saddled unfairly sometimes with that soft skills kind of view and when i'm talking about bringing them outside of hr to some extent i'm trying to 
shield them, shield the people on the Linux team maybe from having that shackle. But if we can get a good, strong CHRO and Zoe Schweitzer from Jenny Splendid Ice Cream, I'll point to her. She's definitely kind of raised the bar in my mind. And, and Paul Rubenstein as well has also raised the bar too, where they have kind of taken the mantle of, I'm going to do people analytics and I want to see how it affects my business and how I can positively affect my business. You know, that's where you can say it should stay in HR. Otherwise, I don't know. No, y- yes, uh, I think those are those are really well made points. Um, one of the other trends that we are seeing is actually a, a lot of people analytics groups have tried to go to the business through the HR business partner. Yep. That was kind of the the classic assumed path. Right. We are seeing more and more organizations actually put a, a people analyst alongside the HR business partner. So instead of trying to translate the HR business partner into an analyst, you know, a, a, a difficult translation, they're actually doubling up. So creating a parallel structure and it, it, it creates that that separation and ability to operate um, right. exactly as you're highlighting, David. So they, they sort of do live in this, let's just call it shadow HR world. Right. Technically, they're in the CHRO, but they don't operate in any way through the existing structures of the HR group done because they found the kind of limitations and, and impacts that you're talking about. So. Yeah. We're seeing that as an emerging practice. We're seeing great results from it. So, you know. I imagine it's really hard to try and find HR generalists who have good backgrounds in statistics and econometrics. Yes, it's 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 not a classic interest for people who've gone into that aspect of work or are in work for those reasons. It's, you know, it is um well, not until a couple of years ago was it ever taught as a core part of a, an HR course. And uh, invariably, when you're you know, really interested in people and helping them navigate work, you know, there's only a small portion of those that have really got that strong statistical background. So it is, you wouldn't, there are a, there are a few and an increasing number, but it's certainly not a, a core component of that HR business partner population. Hence the need to sort of double up uh, and build out structures that, that go through that. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by Turetsky Consulting and listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So Ian, we've had some great conversations about the practice and how it's changing. We've talked about the evolution. What about your advice to people, practically speaking, how can they take advantage of this stuff? Because they're at all ends of the spectrum. <laughs> they are. Where can they go? So, what can they do? One one of the one of the first things we see is this whole trying to to dabble on the investment and trying to do it off the edge of the desk. And you and I have talked about this a, a lot, David. It's. Yep. I think what they can take heart from is presenting to the business their funders the kinds of outcomes that are possible. You know, simple examples of changes in a shift structure in response to the Great Resignation Wave that are helping the business and painting the picture of how this will help the business so that the required funding levels are are understood. And so right. the whole business is kind of going in eyes open, like this isn't actually us finding a colorful way to count HR activity. It's actually us bringing a strategic level of capability but that there's a journey to get there. So one is you're using the case studies to build the funding case. The second piece is to tap into that practice knowledge. 
you know, lots of people, as you say, more people are starting than have finished in this world. So it's it's using, accessing all of that practice knowledge just to follow the paths that have been proven and not go down all the dead ends that, you know, you, I, and many like us have, have explored yeah. in our pasts. One of the dangers I've seen with with this, especially the idea that, you know, you're kind of mining for insight, you're creating insights, you're building cases for things HR wants to do, is that it orients the analytics function kind of up the chain to executives and at the expense of telling these stories to everyday managers, to catering to what a manager would need in order to run his or her team more effectively. Do you see that there's a balance between the two? Are are the people analytics strategy team, for example, really focusing on both sides, or is it really just to help the executives no, define and execute their strategy? Our groups are focusing on both sides because invariably they're going to the business unit leader, not saying what do you want, business unit leader, but what is your what do your business leaders need to run their operation effectively? And so this is where it flips from being, you know, here's HR stuff we're curious about to here's business stuff that it's the, this drive to productization is here is a product for the 20 managers who are running this production line. And it's, you know, sponsored by the business unit leader with the requirements from those people managers driven down into a fast cycle, repeatable, consumable piece of work. And that's that's the automation productization of people. Analytics. That's the leading edge. That's our leading players. But, you know, there is there is a reason to focus on the business unit leader because done well that my experience of that is like, I want my people to have this. So it's, it's not mm-hmm. that you ignore them, but, but there right. is a path to, and I would agree with you, Dino, like the ultimate goal of this is to to really ena- enable people managers in a way that they can create a good experience for people in a way that they couldn't in the past. I think the path to that is through business unit engagement, alignment, connection. So that it's like, wow, what would happen if all my people could do this? Right. Yeah, I think that's important. It's, you know, I've often worked on the strategy side of things and strategy is important. It's measuring outcomes, Yeah. right? But how do you generate the outcomes? The outcomes are generated from the other side. The executives aren't generating the outcomes. And so if we really want to change the business, if we want to improve the business, it's not just about looking at the executives and giving them charts. It's about engaging the front line and showing them how with new insights they can make better choices. So it's good to hear that it's on both sides. I think that, you know, engaging the organization broadly is a is a tough one. It's something that, you know, with finance it's easier. It's like here's your budget, you have to stick to it because <laughs> if you don't, we're not going to hire those people or we're going to fire you. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a bit of a carrot and a stick here. With people analytics it's a little bit softer. So it's sometimes harder to get people to adopt something that they don't have to use. No, for sure. And that's probably one of the other pieces of advice, David, that we would say, like, lots of HR folks look at people on like as a program, like a performance management program. I got to do it for everybody day one. And and that's fundamentally not true. It it actually is better to start small, start focused, build a cadence of results as opposed to blanket wash with, you know, oh, here's the dashboard for the business. We hope you like it. Where that approach is taken, we do see adoption challenges because like, well, something else I have to look at? Like, why? (laughs) Right. Well, one of the things I wish our teams in HR would do would be to look at some of the many and really cool HR analytics programs that exist from the colleges and from Udemy and some from some organizations that are actually putting out people analytics courseware that say, 
Can you get your start in this by getting a certification or getting some education first? And then once you're mature enough and understand it, and I don't mean mature in a, in a human, in, a, in, a, yep. in the wrong way. So I apologize if you took it that way, Mature. everybody. Yep. But if you have more maturity around people analytics, then you, when you do try and dip your toe in, you'll realize it's not about your toe. It's about the water <laughs> and it's about making sure that your organization's ready for it. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, and I, as, uh, that is one of the other, I guess one of the other uh, really telling components right now is, first of all, the, the research that's showing the amount of funding going into people analytics roles. And then, as you say, that the number of like university-based or online-based or the substantive content that is now available to, to get educated, it, it is moving the field forward uh, in powerful ways. Because I think without that education, the stuff you and Dina were just talking about, about being able to be different to enable real business level conversations with your leaders about the numbers. I don't think HR, I mean, unless we're hiring people analytics, people who have six years and <laughs> people analytics, and I don't know that many people that have six years yet of people analytics, but, but until we can get to that stage where you're getting good, good people who have that background, it's going to be hard. It is going to be hard. I think it is going to be hard. I, I th- again, I think there's a, a number of factors that are increasing the you know amount of cost for those those players. At, at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of people coming in from outside of HR who've always had an interest in people who already have the business acumen. Uh, and so that starts to become an element where s- speed to success can come from outside of the function. The number of finance people I've actually talked to is like, you know what? I kind of got bored with finance. This people stuff, it's it's uncharted. It's it's unsolved. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting. So, yes. And we don't have rules <laughs> like we had in finance. <laughs> Not yet. They're coming. <laughs> Not yet. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. So Ian and Dino, we talked a lot about where People Analytics has been and where it's going. We've talked about the evolution and how we think this is going to be a permanent shift, and I sure as heck hope so. And we've also talked a little bit about some advice about how companies and people can get their start in it. Ian and Dino, any other wisdom, words of wisdom before we close? My only word of wisdom is, is don't wait till your data is perfect. The only way you learn is to start now. And I think you were talking before about starting small and nothing sells anything you build like success. So having some small group that has adopted it, seen some success and will talk about that is the best adoption strategy that I've seen work. So start small with an enthusiastic early adopter, show some success and then talk about that. Have them talk about it. Agreed. Ian, thank you very much again. Welcome. Dino, thank you as always. My pleasure. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and um, we hope that if you did find value in it, that you could send it to your friends, especially if they love people analytics or are interested in it. And if you need more information about it, please go to TuretskyConsulting.com slash podcast. And thank you very much and hope to have you listen to our future podcasts. Please stay safe. That was HR Data Labs. Please visit TeretskyConsulting.com forward slash podcast to review the show 
add comments about this episode, or add new ideas about upcoming shows you'd like to hear. Feel free to be creative, but please be nice. Thank you for joining us this week on the HR Data Labs podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.